Hello everybody, welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. I've come out today, deep into the heart of the valley, to meet with Randall Robertson, who, as after with a very long explanation, I found out that he is the fireman that doesn't wear the uniform at R-Tech Fabrication. So Randall, I've got to say firstly, thank you so much for making the time for me, and also for driving all this way out here to Southern California, because it's a little bit of a drive for you, right, this morning? Yeah, yeah yes it is. Um, uh, glad to be here, James. Um, yes, it's, it's quite a, a culture shock from, you know, uh, North Idaho down to the, the belly of the beast, uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah so. it's a little bit of difference, one might say. Yes. Um, uh, traffic is definitely something that, and I'm from here, but I, uh, I'm not here enough to, to. So um, you were, you're saying you're from here, but you were from here when a time when everything was 20 uh, minutes, whereas everything is now maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Well, I, I was born in Glendale. Okay. Back in 1964. Mm-hmm. I think we moved to Tahoe when I was in fifth grade. So yeah, I never really had to drive down here as a yeah, kid. So. Yeah, to worry about the 20 minutes. <laughs> but uh, so that starts when the question then, Randall. So how did you get into like this? the world of automotive what was it that sort of where would this love and passion for like automotive come from well you know it started at a very early age um i was the guy the kid um when my mother when my mother bought me a tricycle i had my own tools mm-hmm. um and she knew very early on that i was going to need to have tools what so was, she what was that the sign that like gave her the uh, well um she got tired of you know me taking things and trying to make them oh tools. i see okay you know it's amazing the things you can do with a butter knife or a steak knife that you really shouldn't yeah i think you i know, still testing have electricity with, with my wife yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she still has to put the steak knives away from yeah. me yeah and I, you know so um uh first thing i think i ever modified um was i took my tricycle and i turned it into uh you know you take you take the forks out and handlebars off and you turn it upside down and you make like a more like a big wheel out of it it's like mm-hmm. a trice it's a chopper yeah so that was really the first thing um and then just you know i remember getting a pedal car and of course i had to do something to it and you know and it just kind of escalated um as the years went on um i think i um i was about nine years old when i learned how to uh, mig weld oh so okay you know, and and up until then, I was more of a um, a wood craftsman. Okay. Um, I think uh, fifth grade you is just, when I had my first router. Okay, and you were just knocking you out dovetail joints ever since. Well, you know, I wouldn't say that they were that that nice. Of it was artwork for me at mm-hmm. first. You know, I was just kind of being creative. You know, and then I did start making furniture, and um, uh, and it wasn't limited to wood. Um, I'm fairly, or I was, I don't know if I still am really, but fairly um, artistically inclined. So, um, I think that's a fair assumption after our conversation with the trucks outside. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I would say that when I really first got into um, the motor end of things, I was about 11 years old, and I picked up for i mowed the yard for somebody for a month and they gave me a little honda 50 okay and it's the one that had the little fold down handlebars mm-hmm. if anybody really remembers those um that might be dating me a little bit but anyway uh well, i gave that away already so um i went in and i completely restored the entire 
Honda 50 because it was a fixer-upper. And, yeah. And, I mean, it was really a fixer-upper. Um, so I got the thing completely just perfect. And I'd ride that thing around and, you know, and, and like anything, um, you, you, you want to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So I ended up selling that and I ended up buying a, a bigger motorcycle and, and I restored it and then I sold it. And it was, um, I, I progressed over the next couple of years to the point where um, I think my first car, I was a, almost 40, I was 13 going on 14 yeah <laughs> you know i was 13 and a half yeah <laughs> so the later half right? yeah so i had an a i bought an amc javelin mm-hmm. and um back in the day the 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 muscle cars weren't really they weren't even called muscle cars um at least i don't recall that but um they were a dime a dozen because that was about the time that the we had the gas crunch mm-hmm. you know so um uh you know my my second car was a um, sixty seven SSRS when I was in high school. Yeah, you know, and, and today totally sensible car. Right? Oh yeah, no, every I mean, teenager should have uh, one right now. now. Granted, it was not a perfect, but I will say that I learned a lot trying to get those um, headlight doors um, to synchronize and to actually work. Yeah. So um, all through high school, actually all through junior high, and through high school. Um, I I'm somewhat embarrassed to say, but I was the teacher's pet. Yeah. Um, I you know I would stay after, and he he was um he was a mentor to me. Um, I, there was somebody in particular. I I can't think of his name now. Um, but he taught me how to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, or well, he taught me how to get my driver's license. Okay. Do that way. Well, two sort of different I knew things. how to drive before I was supposed to. Yeah. So, yeah. Because having a car at 13 years old, you better believe I was actually driving it. So. Um, and was that still in Tahoe? Was that? Uh, no, that was in Sacramento. Okay. Uh, the majority of my childhood, and up until I, um, you know, was uh, 18 years old, I, I lived in Sacramento and went to school and and. Um, you know, have family there. Yeah, and you need so, to get around, obviously, when yeah. you're 13. I mean, so of course. it seems sense yeah. for a car. Yeah, so um, anyway, so kind of, you know, after, uh, say, I had a 65 GMC short wide in high school, and, and really after that, um, I'm trying to think what my next car was. I Oh, I had a, um, I think it was a 65 Mustang convertible, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Atlanta. Uh, I got married. And I moved to Atlanta. Um, went to work for a Mercedes-Benz repair shop, and you know, because I had to get a job and you know, be, a, poor, be a yeah. responsible husband yeah. and all that stuff. So um, I, I started working for a, um, a Mercedes-specific. I, there was just a Mercedes shop, so um, worked for them for about a year. Uh, I learned a great deal. I started doing. Um, some repairs of my own on my own mm-hmm. on um you know other mercedes that you know I solicited um you know or just just people that knew that I worked on them oh, so to come your way shall we say yeah let's just go there uh so anyway um i'd say a year later uh i decided to quit and just start working on i had enough of them to actually make my house payments mm-hmm. so i had enough work to do that um i did have some other uh income but, um, was there ever a nervous point for you when you're thinking of making always, that jump? Always. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I have lived by, you know, the, you know the old saying, "Nothing ventured, nothing gained." Mm-hmm. Um, I truly believe that, 
you know there are some people that um, will never really know what they really can do because they're too f afraid to get off the porch yeah so and you know that's their prerogative but I have always you know I'm I've definitely lived on the edge a few times more than I should have I'm sure but um, you know I I've been I've self-taught myself everything I know um, you know uh, you do research of course, but um, but that was before the internet, <laughs> so it was a lot more books and yeah, talking a lot, to people. Yeah, more challenging back then. <laughs> you know, so but um, yeah, as, as the years went on, I, I was very successful um, in my business, which um, at the time, um, you know, was just Mercedes, and then uh, after a while, my Mercedes customers would ask me if I'd be willing to work on their BMWs mm -hmm. or their Jaguars or their Porsches. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I couldn't work on it. I mean, you know. And then there'd be hardly any ever English cars because if it was English those cars. Those things are stupid. I mean, I don't know stupid. how those, oh, my God. And you'll mean stupid I, okay. by stupid good, right? No, let me tell you, the Jaguars, I, do they actually come from the manufacturer leaking? Uh, look, all I'll say is that's just that's just uh, perspiration yeah, and okay. character. Anti, one might say. yeah, anti-rust uh, equipment, right there. Yes, yeah, right there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, I I will say that um, I I enjoyed working on the Jags because there were uh, a lot of them that other people were not willing to work on because. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were some. There's definitely some challenges on a on a Jag, especially the uh, the inline sixes. They were notorious for um, the head bolts. Uh, actually, they were studs. The head studs would rust, and when you went to actually remove the head to do a head gasket, because boy, they loved head gaskets, um, they would break. Yeah. And you know, so I've heard. So most I've heard. people would say, "Okay, we're done with this motor." Yeah. And I. You know, I said, well, wait a minute, there's there's um, freeze plugs on the side of this motor. If I take a freeze plug out, I should be able to see that. Mm -hmm. So I literally would put the, the head bolt or stud back in, and I would weld it back together, break it loose, or put a bolt down there, something that was strong enough, and then I would break it loose, and then cut it, and then pull it out. Yeah. And so was able to save the motor. And, and I... I really honestly don't know that I've ever seen anybody else do that. I'm sure somebody has to have, but, you know, it's just little things like that. I've worked on um, a few Maseratis. Mm -hmm. I love exotic cars, but you really, um, you have to get into a different mindset to work on them because they are definitely not a Chevy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, coming a little bit closer to where we are now, um, well, okay, so the Mercedes then BMW business, Mercedes BMW business. Um, it did really well. I, um, I made it about 20 years before I decided I didn't need it, uh, didn't need to work anymore. Mm -hmm. So I decided to retire or semi-retire and I did and I uh, got bored very quickly. So I didn't want to really run another automotive shop. So I decided I wanted to, um, restore old Victorian homes and, you know, use my craftsmanship yeah. in a different way um so you know i did that for a while and um it, it was neat and everything but uh this is me i moved back to sacramento uh, tahoe then sacramento and you know it just wasn't the same as it was 20 years prior mm -hmm. so um i decided to go ahead and move everything uh up to what i thought was idaho at the time because i bought some mountain property 
uh, up in, um, well, it was northeast Washington, and I swear, I, I was under the impression that it was in Idaho right up until the time I signed the papers. Look, it, it <laughs> happens to everyone. When you get that map, everything looks real close mm. together. Yeah, well... So, and then when you get there, there's no line on the ground, is there? I mean, he kind of doesn't tell you that. Well, you know, I mean, it said Idaho Mountain Property. I'm assuming it's in Idaho. Yeah, so. it sort of gives it away, right? It's yeah. Idaho. So, but, you know, um, I... Um, I started doing the business up there, and you know, I, I had done a few homes, and um, then I um, met my my current wife here, and we dated for a while, and uh, we kind of started doing business together. I kind of got away from the uh, restoration, uh, you know, home restoration business, and we worked together for a while in her business. She okay. had a, uh, a warehousing business that, um, you know, was. It had some employees, and it was it was, you know, something that was uh, stressful. Yeah. You know, we uh, we jointly started a, an additional business, which was a graffiti removal business, mm -hmm. and it was the only graffiti removal business in a city that had a lot of graffiti. So, needless to say, we did very well. So you're quite busy. Yeah. Um, and then 2008. Everything hit the fan in 2008. Yeah, it was kind of a bad year in 2008. Yes, it was. I would say that um, everything that her and I had worked for our entire lives, um, we we lost it in, in, inside of, you know, uh, nine months. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not really a lay-down-and-die kind of guy, and, and my wife isn't either. So, you know, we... Um, uh, we we hung on. Our graffiti business is the only one that actually survived. Uh, we we had some other businesses and we we ended up having to close them. But um, the graffiti business it even slowed down to a point where I started supplementing that income by um, selling you know some parts and doing some uh, small restorations. Here uh, I was thinking you were going to say you have to supplement it by going out and tagging things on the streets. No, oh, like gosh. This. You know, it, it's not like that wasn't suggested, but believe me, <laughs> I didn't need to. We had plenty of graffiti there. so. Um, but, you know, it got to a point where um, there was a time when I saw a uh, 70 Chevy crew cab that somebody had made. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. Um, it. It actually wasn't a true crew cab, I've come to learn. But... It was um, it was black. It actually was a three door that somebody put a handle on the other side of it. They had made it out of a three door suburban, okay. made it into a crew cab. And really, that was my first. Um, I, I've never owned a, a '67 72 Chevy truck mm -hmm. until I saw that, and I just had to have one. Yep. And since it sold immediately, and the guy wouldn't return my calls, I didn't. I didn't end up purchasing that, so that's where all of this started. Okay, um, it's always that one car, yeah. or one vehicle that gets away when it starts that thing, right? I'll tell you, it's. Um, but I'm, you know, I don't regret anything. No, I really don't. So um, I decided that I was going to build my own crew cab. Mm -hmm. um, I started off by, okay, well, the, the you know, did a little research, and the people that had made one. Though most of them that I saw, they were fairly crudely made. There were some that were actually pretty nice. But there was something about every one of them that I just didn't think looked like GM would have made it that way. Okay. And I really like stuff to be um, as original looking as possible. I like custom stuff as well. But, you know, for myself, I'm a craftsman, I and I just lean that way. Mm -hmm. So um, I set out to build 
the crew cab that I think GM would have made and uh, bought a bunch of trucks bought a suburban i did actually make my first one out of a suburban we do not make our crew cabs out of suburbans now they're okay. all literally we make them out of one single cab and there's a lot to that but anyway um so that went on i, I started building just a, it was a really good build i really enjoyed it still running the graffiti business and um doing it more in my you know after hours and then um you know, finally got to a point where, uh, and now I'm on social media, and believe me, I am not, I've never been, and I'm really still not a social media type of person. Mm -hmm. I do it now because, well, it's part of my business. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, we got on social media and we started posting, you know, some of the work I was doing, and and I guess um, a lot of people were really digging what I'm doing. So they'd They'd message me or they'd call me or somehow get a hold of me and, um, you know, ask me if I'd be willing to build them a crew cab or build them, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, but it was crew cabs for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, sure. I mean, I, it's just me. So, you know, I mean, I can only do it as quickly as I can do it. So, you know, started my first few, um, you know, within, a, a, I'd say within two, three years, I had, you know, three or four of them going. And they take so long to build. Mm -hmm. I mean, because especially they, when it's we, you doing it. Yeah. Well, you know, and and I'd hire people to come in and you know work with me a little bit or do some trading for you know I'll work on this if you'll come work on this for me because mm -hmm. I just can't do it all myself at this point. Um, I worked a lot of hours, a lot of hours, and you know we're still struggling. We're still trying to literally still trying trying to stay keep from being homeless yep. you know i mean it's it was tough important. it yeah. was tough there was times when my wife and i um you know we lost friends mm -hmm. during that time um and most of um most of our friends were amazed that we could stay married and be that stressed out and have so many things go up against us so you know we we definitely struggled through that but um you know we we did work together she she really helped quite a bit to uh, grow the business um, she's definitely better at the administrative part than I am because I really hate doing any of that actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a feeling she knows where everything is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, she knows where the vacuum cleaner is and, you know, and all that stuff. And apparently I, you know, I, I don't. you don't worry about. Yeah. I was once, I was once asked to, uh, this, <laughs> this is, um, I think it was actually, uh, I think it was this year, um, uh, she had asked me if I'd, uh, we had company coming over, and she'd asked me if I'd uh, run the vacuum out in the living room, you know, just before they, they were going to get there. And um, I think she was going to go off and take a shower or something. And, um, you know, I, I went looking through the house, and I couldn't find that stupid thing anywhere. <laughs> you know, and I finally went in there and asked her, I said, where is the vacuum? Where do you keep that thing? And, then, of course, I get that, that look. I was like, mm -hmm. you kidding me? Yeah. I don't know where the vacuum cleaner is. So it's like, well, no, I don't ever use it. <laughs> so I, I can assure you, I know where it's at now. You know exactly. We yeah. covered that extensively oh, before man. we got on this podcast where it is, oh, right down man. to the like, square millimeter in your household. Yes, I know exactly where it's at. So, but uh, And I actually know how to use it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See? Yeah. So, But um, I won't quit my day job. No, no. So anyway, so... Um, yeah, we're 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 doing we're doing better, and you know we're 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 making uh, making progress, and it's it's it took a long time for me to get one complete, mm -hmm. and it, you know it's a struggle, yep. it really is, because I really cannot stand to compromise um, for speed. 
um, because if you're a truly a craftsman, there is nothing less than perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, um, I'm definitely my worst critic, uh, and I don't like other people to to have the opportunity to criticize me. So I make sure that it can't be done, and yeah. I just I I make everything as perfect as humanly possible. So, anyway, um, so coming forward, uh, so I built Cowboy. That was the name of my first crew cab, and I name all my all my uh, builds. Mm-hmm. Um, the very few have I ever not named, and usually they have a western or a military theme. Um, you know, two things that are true to my heart. Um, so Cowboy um, finished it up was just a hit, won all the awards that you know something like that would win. It shows. And um, somebody somebody offered to buy it. And, you know, I, I really didn't want to sell it, but my business needed more money to grow. Mm-hmm. So there went Cowboy. Um, took one for the team. Yeah, took one for the team. I, I uh, then, I was already started another build for myself. And now Cowboy was, was basically a standard crew cab, a three-quarter ton crew cab. And... It really did look like oh, the, the the discussions and the arguments at the shows um, of people saying, "Oh yeah, my my grandfather used to have one of those," or you know, it's like, "No, we didn't." No, you know, the, the arguments were hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, and finally I straightened them out on. They didn't make these. Yeah. So, but they were convincing. Uh, I mean, they really did look like GM made them. And you know, my the biggest compliment to me is when somebody. Is, it doesn't understand when I tell them, no, they didn't make this, you know, we did. So, and at this point, there there is a we. You know, I've got a couple employees now. Anyway, um, so, you know, we've completed a few of them now. Uh, we were, uh, up until literally just last week, we actually would sell just a crew cab, cab mm-hmm. uh, just the doors, just in metal, you know, and then people would take on the project from there. Because a lot of people can do most things, but the um, the skill level to actually build a crew cab, it, it is definitely not for the weak at heart. Yeah, I can imagine it's quite challenging. Yeah, uh, it, it challenges me, and and I You've I consider things. myself to be a master fabricator. Yeah, and it's challenging. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I can definitely say this, uh, and I I, I I hate to say it, but I don't think that any two cabs I build are are identical to you know, I mean, there, there's something different about each one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe just minute, but I know they're not perfectly the same. Yeah. So, and um, anyway, so, um, you know, now, just coming up to now, um, you know, I've got, uh, we've gotten rid of Cowboy. Um, the drill sergeant built that for myself as a reimbursement. We sold that, uh, and then the drill sergeant was my first 50 series build, mm-hmm. and because um, I always thought that a 50 series pickup truck would be kind of cool, yeah. and I'd seen some others that somebody had made, and it was like, well, God, it doesn't quite look right. You know, I think I can build one that will really look right. And to me, and my builds, symmetry is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to notice any one thing about a truck. I want them to see the whole truck, and and you know, not focus on one thing because if they're focusing on one thing you didn't do that one thing right yeah so anyway um you know so the you know the, the duke the duke has become quite an icon in the industry yeah. um definitely it stands out i will say that yeah it does um 
and it's become so popular that um, that is actually the, the out of all the, the truck styles that we build, the 50 series, that's the most popular. And so can you just give a highlight of the sort of trucks for some of our more international listeners, I will say that, who are not quite as familiar in regards to the, the trucks? I'm sorry, describe the truck? No, no, so sort of give the, the, when you say the 50 series, so sort of, can you elaborate a little bit more on that for some of sure. our more international listeners? Sure. Um, Mostly my mum, who's going to ask me after, oh, okay. so then I can sort of okay. hopefully explain it to her. All right, here goes. one of only two listeners. You know, Here's so to James' so, mom. There you go. Okay, so, so um, these trucks start out as basically, a lot of people know them for, you know, as being a farm truck or a grain truck. They're a two-and-a-half-ton truck. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they have more of a snub nose than a regular pickup truck does, but the cab itself is actually the same as a 67 to 72 Chevy truck cab. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and really the only difference is, uh, the the front end, the grill, the whole front clip, everything, flared fenders. So, um, you know, making it into a pickup truck was was you know the first challenge. Let's let's make this look like it was meant to be a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was is I needed needed to build a truck that had a an eight foot bed on it, and you know so. Okay, I got an eight-foot bed on this truck now, and it it doesn't look right. I need to make the the rear fender flares that are on the front. I need to put them on the rear so that it it's the same all the way around. Yeah, for your symmetry that you. Your symmetry, yeah. So um, because there's a lot of people that have actually built a 50 series pickup and they just neglect to put the the flares on the back. They they try to come up with something, but they don't really look the same as ours. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, so you know, making a 50 series pickup, you're basically making a two and a half ton truck into a uh, pickup truck. Mm-hmm. So, and it really does. Um, the the drill sergeant looked like GM made a 50 series pickup truck, which I think a lot of people. Um, oh gosh, what do they call the um, the top kicks? The Kodiaks. Mm-hmm. They think that you know they made Kodiaks back then when they see these these trucks that I built. And uh, and they did not. Uh, well, they, I mean, you know, in the sense that some of them were four wheel drive, but really hardly any. And it was actually a Napco um, add on. Mm-hmm. So, but um, it is a completely modified truck. Um, the first one I built was on a three quarter ton suburban frame, and uh, that proved to be really too much work. And um, so after the um, the Duke sold. I'm sorry, the, the drill sergeant. Um, I had a, an idea to combine the two. So let's make a 50 series pickup truck as a crew cab. Okay. Um, tried to pitch it to my wife. She didn't quite really see the vision at the time. Trust me, she does now. So, but, um, you know, uh, it took me a little bit of work, not a whole bunch. But I was able to come up with what is now known as the Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things about the Duke that are really quite different than most of the trucks that we build. I did build that truck again for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so so far, these three trucks they were built for me. Um, the The Duke was kind of a reimbursement to myself for sacrificing the other two trucks for my business. Yeah, you know, which eh, that's fair. Anyway, um, but. 
me being me, I'm going to make it even better than anything I'd done before. Yeah, you've always got to see a little bit of room for improvement, right? Always, always. Uh, and today, I mean, absolutely, to date, I'm still improving on, on our product. Um, and and I, I'm sure that I will be for years to come. So, but um, anyway, so the Duke um, took me a couple years to build um, because I'm busy building other people's uh, trucks as well. And money does not grow in trees. You know, we're still recovering. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so... And starting it, the business isn't exactly cheap. No, no. Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, two years, um, a lot of work, um, a lot of money. A lot of money that we really, you know, it was tough. But anyway, we, we didn't have a life. We, you know, I worked in the shop and we didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, so we get the Duke done and we, you know, it's an incredible truck. It's... As I've different seen. than anybody. It is incredible. Any, yeah. Um, so we start showing it, and I mean, everywhere we go, it drew huge crowds. Um, it won everywhere it went. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, we we like the Good Guys series, so we we do tour the Good Guys series as much as we can. Um, I I think we know almost all of the employees um, by now. So and they all a lot of them travel with yeah. with the show. But anyway, and then we'll do some other and this shows. Is a great series of shows as well. Oh, it is. It yeah, really incredible. is. I mean, yeah. the incredible variations of cars and vehicles yeah. and trucks and everything that you see there, and the workmanship is incredible. And the people. Are also I nice. I think that it's um, it's the most professionally well done um, show that I've ever been a part of. And um, I now we've been to some shows that we thought were a little little ridiculous mm-hmm. you know but um anyway so you know we we won awards for i want to say a couple years and then finally um Nitto tires gives me a call and says hey we'd like to put your truck in our booth you know and um i'm, I'm excited about that it's like wow Nitto tires you know that's incredible yeah you know, um, I didn't realize at the time SEMA didn't mean anything to me because I, I just really thought it was a, you know, just a trade show where everybody, you know, talked about, you know, you thought parts it was a, and stuff. You thought it was a boondoggle. You go there, Las Vegas. Yeah. You don't spend any time on the floor. It's yeah. always that's where you're sleeping, and then everything's the fun stuff that happens out there tonight. Uh, man, that well, first off, I'm not really great with crowds. I, you know, I'm a people person, but mm-hmm. I don't like crowds. Yeah. Um, but. There are just so many people there from all over the planet that are into the same thing. Yeah, and it gets bigger and bigger every year. Uh, yeah, it really does. Um, you know, so it goes to SEMA, and it it just was one of those things that blew up the Internet, blew up social media. Um, I We started getting more and more phone calls, mm-hmm. more and more builds. You know, and um, it, it it caused a lot of growing pains for our tech fabrications early on because keeping up with supply, um, you know, keeping up the demand, you have to make sure you have the supplies. Yep. And part of the supplies is um, uh, good, skilled labor, mm-hmm. you know, tradesmen, craftsmen, artisans. Um, now, that means that I have to, I've gone through so many of the wrong people to get a few of the right ones. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, it's 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 been a tough road and it's been an expensive road because whenever, you know, uh, and I'm going to just be perfectly honest with you, um, whenever an employee makes a mistake, um, it has to be fixed because I'm not going to let something leave my shop unless it's perfect. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, you know, we've had to deal with that over the years. And I've gotten to a point now where my staff now knows what, what I, the way I think and the way I like things to be. There is no compromise. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to do it differently, then, well, you should go start your own business. You know, um, but anyway, so um, we're now at a point where, okay, so the Duke has, I come away from, with, uh, you know, from SEMA, and I I get home, and I'm overwhelmed because it's like, wow. You need to wow. take a week off. Wow, well, yeah. Well, my wife and I both, my wife and I both, every day at the end of SEMA, we go to the hotel room and literally fall in bed, and our feet hurt so bad. Yeah. You know, it's always it's a, when you look at the steps you do for the oh day. Oh my God! Well, you know, we had to be around the truck the whole time because mm -hmm. there was it was it was unbelievable the mobs that that um, that were taking pictures, asking questions. You know, and the Duke is so big, you have to show it with the doors open mm -hmm. because otherwise they can't see, see inside. Yeah. So, you know, we have to leave the doors open, which means we have to be there. So we're standing um, around for what? Four or five days, mm -hmm. yeah, that yeah, was tough. But comfortable shoes. Yeah, you know, we made a lot, of, a lot of contacts, um, met a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of our followers um, went to SEMA, and you know, it's, uh, it, it's really kind of neat when people come up to you and uh, say, you know, I've been following you since cowboy, mm -hmm. you know, and when they say that, it's like, wow, you know more about me than I know about you, <laughs> you know, and there's uh, when the reality sets in. There are tens of thousands of people out there that watch everything you do. You know, it it's it's really actually quite a responsibility because you you know you got to make sure that what they see is exactly you know your best uh, because uh, it can be a tough crowd sometimes. You know, but uh, anyway, so we come back from SEMA. It's been a hit. The drills are, or the the Duke's been out for a while now, and you know I'm going okay. I I think that there's nothing more I can do, nothing better than SEMA. Um, so what am I going to do to top the Duke? I mean, how do you do that? So um, I had some thoughts going on for you know about a year um, prior to the Duke going to SEMA. So finally, it's like, well, okay, this is what I got to do. So I set out to build a 1966 Chevy crew cab, and um, you know I've I've perfected the the design of my crew cabs by now. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of um, integral design to my crew cabs. Um, so now I'm very confident that I can build anything into a crew cab. Um, so. We start off, I go out, and I always collect a lot of trucks before I start a project. Um, I want to get the best metal, you know, the best parts. And, um, you know, frankly, I, I hadn't worked on one in a couple decades at least. So I had, I had to take them apart and kind of see how they work still, you know. Yeah. So anyway. Um, <clears throat> Homework. Yeah, oh boy. Homework ahead you. of it. Yeah, so a lot of R&D on this one. Um, I would say that, and you know, now that the name of this truck is the Ponderosa. Um, Ponderosa is very well known at this point. It's only been to one show so far, and it it took it. I mean, it took the whole thing. So and um, but the buildup of it, um, it in every way had to be a better truck um, than the Duke. 
So uh, everything that I didn't do, uh, or or the things that I when I did the Duke, I I was like, man, I kind of wish I would have done this, mm-hmm. you know, or I should have done that. So the Ponderosa is without a doubt the best truck I've ever built. Um, there is no doubt in my mind. Um, now the the Duke is definitely um, an incredible, unique truck in itself, and it's a very popular one, obviously, because we're selling a lot of them. But the Ponderosa is it's such a fresh, uh, uh, new um, truck. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they didn't build a crew cab, and, and now there there have been some very strange attempts at making a crew cab out of those that that body style, and uh, you know they were hideous, just really hideous. Um, so again, I set out to build. A crew cab that I think GM would have built and you know so by and large the Ponderosa is what I think if GM made a, a one-ton dually four-wheel drive crew cab uh, back in 1966 this is the way I think it would have been and I look it looks as close as I would ever imagine one to be from my perspective thank you um, I mean the the work and the attention to detail is absolutely incredible. Yeah, thanks. I um, there is a uh, I'll tell you right now the headliner that's in that that's a third one I put in. Mm-hmm. We and it's not cheap. It's like okay, I want you to do this and okay now I don't really like that. Take it back out. You know so uh, it, essentially the the headliner in that truck right now I think I'm probably at eight thousand dollars in it. You know uh, by the time I got one that I liked. Yeah. And, but. I will tell you that the one that's in it now, you like it. It's epic, and it will. The the neat thing about the trucks that I build myself, mm-hmm. it actually helps my customers because I get all the kinks ironed out, and you know, it. When I come away from a build, I now know what it what I need to do to make it even better. So you know, there's one right behind mine mm-hmm. um, being produced right now. Um, and I can tell you some of the differences in his truck and mine is right out the gate. His cab is actually two inches longer than mine. Because after building mine, I realized, ah, I wish I would have made this two inches longer because then I wouldn't be having these problems. Yeah. You know? So um, one of the things that's really, really important to me is structure. I build my trucks from structure first mm-hmm. and then cosmetics. You know, everybody... That well, I'm not gonna say everybody, but it's my opinion that most people that build crew cabs, there are a few people um, out there um, that that I consider to be professional crew cab builders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm probably you know the only manufacturer of the '67 to '72 crew cabs, and now the '64 five sixes. But um, you know. I know that my structure is absolute. Um, I believe that really you could make a unibody truck out of one of our crew caps. Okay. Um, okay. Couple mods, but yeah, we're there. So um, one of the things on a on these crew cabs um, is that you you want all the doors to always function right, mm-hmm. um, and that's tricky sometimes. So I've I have some some uh, design structural design that really lends to not having that kind of a problem. So, um, you know, at this point in the game, I am building what I think is the best crew cab um, that you can buy. 
And then what other projects have you got on the horizon that you're thinking of doing next or in the works <laughs> of sorts? Oh, geez. <laughs> that you can talk about, let's say. Well, no, I can talk about them all, but, you know, my my wife, she uh, she knows me very well. So it's, you know, it's like, you know, I have a lot of stuff on. Uh, let me Your let me start by saying big, my trucks my trucks are designed usually at two a.m. Okay, all right. Okay, um, I I uh, I can design a whole truck pretty much most of the time. I can design a whole truck and within about an hour, mm -hmm. you know, in my head. Yep. And then I've got a uh, a guy um, that does my renderings for me, and so I'll start describing the truck to him. And then he'll do a rendering of it, and man, he's spot on every time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we'll do a couple changes, and and it's really neat because once I see it, then it's like, yeah, this does work. It looks right, you know. But um, anyway, uh, some of the things that we have, one of which I believe will be at SEMA this year as well, is it's our K50 Blazer. It is an incredible truck. And what, um, what year would that be? It is a 72. Okay. So um, it's a very unique vehicle. It, um, uh, it It's going to take take the world by storm. I, I can assure you of that. It has a uh, integrated full roll cage. Um, it uh, One of the things I don't like about a roll cage in a daily driver is you always seem to beat the heck out of yourself getting in Ooh, and out of it. Yeah, you always always bang something. Yeah. Always bang something. Always a bruise somewhere. Well, this roll cage actually disappears um, in the front. It disappears as soon as it gets to the windshield. It, it is actually becomes part of the A-pillar. Okay. So, um, and, you know, it's it's we're doing this roll cage in all the Blazer builds that we're doing now. Um, the, the customers, you know, once they saw the first one and they understood what I was doing, it's like, oh, gosh, yeah, well, uh, do one for me, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, safety is really important. You know, so we're building a really neat roll cage, and this this has got a really cool roll cage. Um, the The design of this this truck it, it's going to be on 40s. All of our 50 series trucks are built to go on 40 inch tall tires. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. The 40 inch um, Nitto tires is that's the way we build them, and that's the way they come, unless the customer wants something different. Um, so anyway, that's coming out this year. Um, this year, I don't think it'll be at SEMA, but it is uh, another truck that will be done this year is our 50 series four door Suburban. Okay. And it's it's pretty cool. It's getting a okay to back up the 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 Blazer has a uh, 550 horsepower 12 valve Cummins. Okay. And it you know weight to power ratio, wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty handy. Yeah. So, and then the um, the 50 series Suburban is um, powered by a 750 horsepower uh, supercharged uh, 6.2 LS. It's a 427 essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, we've we've basically made it into a 427. It's an incredible engine. We've uh, spared nothing on it. Um, all of our 50 series trucks, so all of these trucks that we're talking about, um, I've recently designed a, a front uh, four-link independent front suspension um, to get away from the leaf springs and we're even actually some of the um, uh, one-ton or three-quarter ton trucks that we're building they're also getting that application actually some of our blazers okay um, you know once once I finally got a design that I I felt was um, safe to drive every day for the next 40 years 
then I was comfortable selling them. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of our uh, 50 series for sure get them. That's the only way they come. And then um, you know our three quarter ton, one tons, uh, four wheel drives. They they have that option. So, but anyway, so we've got that. Now, this one is going to blow your mind, but I, I said I'd never do one because I didn't believe that you could structurally make it uh, work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a guy call me up, uh, super cool guy, uh, and he asked me if I'd be willing to make a six-door. I told him no. Uh, he said, why? Well, um, I, I, I think he'd have door problems. And, um, I, you know, he, he asked, he kind of challenged me. Well, you know, you can't design it so that it can handle it? Well, yes, I can. I can design it, but here's what it's got to be. Mm-hmm. It had to be a 50 series. It had to be on a 50 series frame. And it had to be built the way, you know, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to give away the, 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 the secrets here, but um, suffice to say that... Uh, the way that I built this six door, it is amazing the structural integrity in it, and that all the doors function perfectly. Now this is um, just about halfway through the paint and body, um, you know, part of the the, the build right now. Uh, the blazer that we were just talking about, that's actually in the paint booth, literally right now. Okay. Um, the uh, Suburban will be the next one that comes through. I like that this blaze is well ahead of the, the SEMA crunch that everyone seems to have the week before when they're still painting in the trailer there. You know, um, I look. swore that I would never do a <laughs> SEMA crunch, and I just, I don't believe in it. Yeah. I think it's a, a, a real compromise. You know, um, the the Ponderosa didn't go to SEMA last year. It was supposed to. It was slated to. It didn't because it wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd really rather just do it right before yeah you know, when when you do something and you show it to everybody and it's not done or it's done poorly first impressions Last. are the most important mm-hmm. so it didn't go um and you know I'm glad but um uh I I don't do crunches and I've gotten to a point where I make sure that when somebody you know hires us to do a build for them uh that they understand that you know, this is what I think it'll take, mm-hmm. but understand that it may take longer, and it probably will. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, there's that. Now, moving on, we actually have, um, of course, you know, we we have a bunch of just regular crew cap builds, you know, uh, one ton, three quarter ton crew cap builds. Uh, but in t- addition to that, we um, we have a six by six Range Rover that we're building, um, and it's a cool, cool truck. Um you know, I've got a, a another project that I'm really excited about, and it's been on my bucket list, but I haven't really wanted to spend the money on this one myself. So, um, fortunately, one of our uh, K50 customers had asked me also if I'd be willing to build him a 53 crew cab. And boy, let me tell you, I have some plans for that. I'm not going to say what it is, but trust me, when that thing goes to SEMA, it will be a showstopper. Yeah. Um, and it'll be a showstopper in a way that I think people would expect Randall Robertson with Artec Fabrications to, to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we've got, um, uh, it's so funny. It's amazing what I'll put a, uh, a 12 elf Cummins in. I've got a, uh, I think it's a 73 or 4 um, FJ55 um, Toyota Land Cruiser mm-hmm. that we just put um, a 6BT 12 valve Cummins into it. 
And a lot of people go, there's no way that fit in there. Have you ever seen a six-cylinder motor that actually goes in that thing? Yeah, it's kind of big. Yeah, they're heavy, too. So, you know, people go, well, that's way too heavy for that. It's like, well, have you ever actually pulled a six-cylinder out of a Toyota Land Cruiser? So, you know, very few mods on the actual um, engine compartment. There were some, but nothing really major. Um, we are putting an NV4500 five-speed behind it mm -hmm. and fits like a glove. Granted, there's not. It's a tight glove, but you know, it's it's a it's a glove nevertheless. So, anyway, um, that's another really cool build. Um, it's it's being built uh, for somebody that's uh, a celebrity, and we do have a, a, a few of those. Um, yeah. So. So, how many builds have you got? Say, would you say working for the shop at various stages right about now? Uh, last count, a little over forty. And then if anyone is wanting to try and add to that to try and make it close to 50, where is the best place to track you down or to reach out to you guys for that? Well, we're not hard to find. Um, Artechfabrications.com is obviously, and it's the letter R-T-E-C-H. Um, it's not uh, A-R, you know. We get a lot of people that get confused with that. But, um, you know, we're so easy to find. Uh, we're on social media. Um, yeah, all you have to do is Google 67 to 72 Chevy Crew Cab, and you're going to find us. Pop up straight away. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, yeah, uh, Pinterest, um, uh, Tweety Bird, or whatever the heck that is. You know, my wife does all that, that stuff there. I, it's, you know, Pinterest and... I, Everything what else, is Instagram, it? Twitter, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter, she's Tweety Bird, it. whatever you call it. You yeah, know? she's all over I'm it. so glad I'm not the social she's... media person in this, but... Um, yeah, so you know we're pretty easy to find. Um, we're I think we're we're pretty well known. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're on social media and you you look at the things that we do, uh, we have a very very large following, and I would say that most people have a great deal of respect for the the kind of work that we do. Um, it like I said when we're at shows, it's it's very humbling to me when. You know, somebody will come up to me and, and you know, say, um, you know, I, I've been following you for a long time. And, you know, granted, my, my truck is nothing like this, but you really inspired me to go and do, you know, the best I could and mm -hmm. to do do this instead of just compromising on, uh, because I was going to do something, I was going to do this a different way, and it wouldn't have turned out like this. So, um, you know, some of the things that they see that we do, they learn to do it on their, their trucks, and then subsequently they have a better vehicle also yeah so but just just people coming up and just going man i, I just love your work you know it's very humbling um so uh i am i'm, I'm blessed i'm very blessed uh to have uh what i have and to be doing what i'm doing you know this this started as a hobby i can't say that it's a hobby anymore because it's obviously a business but um i still enjoy what i do and i love designing and uh, implementing those designs into reality. Well, Randall, I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic getting to walk around do the trucks with you and, and getting to talk to you today. And I really appreciate your time and effort for making me for, to get us on the show here. You bet. But uh, if anyone else is listening, obviously, please go check out Artec Fabrications. And then, as always, we always like to ask you to give us a nice five-star review. Um, it's always nice to say some nice words as well. And if you've got any questions, you can always find us at No Breaking, which is N-O. B R A K I N G, that's dot com, or you can find us no breaking on Instagram and Facebook. And until then, guys, we'll see you next time. Thanks again, guys. Bye bye.